But today we continue in Mark. Our scripture reading comes from Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethpage in Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you'll find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just say the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, what are you doing untying that, the colt? They told them that Jesus had said what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it. He sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor, David, Hosanna in the highest. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And we had looked around at everything as it was already late. He went out to Bethany with the 12. May God add a blessing to the hearing, reading, and understanding of scripture, our hearts and minds are open. Uh, Have you ever wondered why Jesus had to die? You know, Holy Week is upon us and this is the time in in the church where we remember uh, what Christ did through his death, the burial and resurrection. Uh, you know, in my, in my youth ministry days, I would go to the schools and, and visit them at lunch. And, and one year I was there on Holy Week. And if you've never been uh, to, to the schools as a, a youth person, it, it can be quite weird. So you're always trying to figure out things to say. And uh, it was Holy Week and they were off on Friday. And I was talking about how cool it was that they were off for Friday. And One of our sixth grade students was there and she said, uh, she asked, uh, why do we call it Good Friday? Of course, I was a 20-something youth director and I was trying to be cool and awesome. I said, well, you're out of school. It's Good Friday, right? And she said, no, if, if Friday is the day that Jesus died, why do we call it Good Friday? You know, uh, Theologians across the time of Christianity have rightly tried to grapple with that very question. (laughs) Why did Jesus have to die in such a horrible way in order to save the world? It doesn't really compute in our human brains. In fact, many of us just don't even deal with it. We just kind of put it aside and we come to Palm Sunday and jump straight to Easter without having to deal with all those verses and texts that are in between. Now, I don't claim to be one of the most well-trained 
pastors and, or do I claim to be one of the most well-read people? Uh, I have been teaching uh, the Bible in some capacity for uh, nearly 35 years. And I still grapple with that very question. <laughs> what is this all about? And I don't think I could give you a good answer, but I do believe this to be true. Jesus didn't die so that we could just sit back and wait for heaven to come. You know, sometimes I think as Christian people, we, we, we ask maybe not the wrong questions, but not the best question. What if the question is, why did Jesus have to die but what if we began to explore what got Jesus killed? You know, in my church experience, we don't do a lot of that kind of exploration. We, we kind of sanitize the stories a little bit to help us be uh, creative in worship. Uh, you know, with Palm Sunday, we tend to stay in the paradigm of Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, where people are um, celebrating his teaching, his healing, everything that he is bringing to the table. And, and while that is true, there was also lots of other stuff that got Jesus in trouble and, in fact, got him killed. Uh, Mark's account of Jesus' death begins with the text that I read today. Jesus is visiting Jerusalem for the Passover meal. And Mark, uh, the author, would have assumed that his readers got it, that they understood what the Passover meal was all about. The Passover meal commemorates God's deliverance of, of his people from slavery to the Egyptians, uh, therefore, the Passover festival is a religious practice that gives them the hope that one day they will be free from the thumb of the Romans. Now, the Roman authorities would get a little bit nervous every time there was these Jewish festivals. Festivals, For one, with the Passover, Jerusalem's uh, population would grow to nearly four times its normal size. And not only would it grow, there would be these pockets of protests that would break out around the city. Now, the Romans would increase their forces, so they were pretty good at, at snuffing out uh, the trouble, you know, the protest of the day. And it wasn't just the Romans who were on high alert. The temple leaders were on alert as well because their responsibility was to keep the temple functioning. And the last thing that they needed was the Romans coming in and kicking down their doors. So what does Jesus do at this moment? Jesus pulls together this parade to the city gates and it echoes Zechariah 9.9, which says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. 
Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you. Triumphant and victorious is he. Humble and riding on a donkey. On a colt, the foil of a donkey. Jesus, he's making a statement. There's a new king in town. There's a new way of living life. This event has more than likely put the Romans and the Jewish temple leaders on high alert. Something is beginning to threaten the system that is keeping peace. However, if for some reason this parade didn't get their attention, the things Jesus starts doing once he enters the temple definitely gets them excited. What Jesus is trying to do is to challenge the people to live differently, to change their hearts and lives. And as you know, that, that when people get challenged to change, the people in power get a little bit squirrely. Uh, the day after the parade, uh, Jesus goes into the temple and he overturns the tables. He knocks down the kiosk where they're selling pigeons for sacrifice. He prevents commerce from happening in the temple. Now, the authorities, they become angry. They become scared. In, in Mark 11, it says this, eleven eighteen, And when the chief priests and scribes heard it, they kept looking for a way to kill him. For they were afraid of him. Because the whole crowd was spellbound by his teaching. Jesus has disturbed everything. He's hurting the temple economy. He's keeping travelers from getting their sacrifices. They didn't want to travel with a bunch of pigeons. They knew they would just buy them when they get to the temple. But most importantly, he was threatening the order of the day. And each day, Jesus keeps coming back and doing more stuff. He, he takes the Roman coin. And he kind of mocks Caesar by what he says is on that coin. And the temple leaders, he gets on to them for taking advantage of the poor. Each day, Jesus comes back disrupting what's happening. Jesus didn't die so that we could just sit back and wait on heaven to come. Jesus was killed because he uncompromisingly did what was right, no matter what. Jesus died paving a way for the kingdom to have of heaven to be on earth right here and right now. This final Sunday of Lent is marked by a celebratory parade for sure. But this parade is also a protest march 
for this new kingdom. Now, before we go further, I think we need to talk just for a second about what this new kingdom means. Uh, the Greek word here used for kingdom of heaven is basilia, and I probably did not say that right, which describes a kingdom not with borders or a kingship of group of cities, but it describes a sphere of influence under a specific authority. And for this one, it's Jesus. The proof of his kingdom is not what happens here on a Sunday morning as we all come and sing together. It happens when we're by ourselves. What we do in private. It's not how loudly we stand up and declare something that says what the kingdom is. But it's how authentically we live out what Jesus tells us to do. Uh, at the very first Sunday of Lent, uh, we said this about the gospel of Mark. Mark 1.1 says this, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. For Mark, the gospel is the whole Jesus story. Mark calls us to follow Jesus, to repent and believe in the good news. Now, the word repent has so many nuances to it. The best way to describe it is to change our hearts and lives. Uh, last week, uh, if you remember, I referred to the disciples as knuckleheads. Uh, and they're just that. They're, they're just knuckleheads. Uh, the, the Holy Week's readings, if, if you're going to be reading with us in Mark this week, you will see them miss the boat a lot. <laughs> uh, the disciples have journeyed with Jesus all this way. They've seen him heal the sick. They've seen him cast out demons uh, they've heard him teach on things like love and truth and compassion and forgiveness and prayer. And yet they fail all the time. And they scatter. Uh, Jesus said on, in Mark 14, 26 and 27, when they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives and Jesus said to them, you will all become deserters for it is written I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. Uh, just to give you a couple of examples, and we're going to be putting up some pictures of, uh, that depict some of these scriptures. But, but after the Passover meal, Jesus went out into the garden to pray. And when he goes out into the garden, he asks the disciples if they would stay awake and keep watch. They, they can't do it. In uh, Mark 14, it says, he came a third time and said to them, you are still sleeping and taking your rest. Enough, the hour has come. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. That's when Judas comes in and uh, Judas brings this group of people uh, that has some of the temple leaders in it. It must have looked like a, a, a lynch mob. Uh, and, and the scripture says, so when he, Judas, came, 
He went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and kissed him. Then he laid his hands on him and arrested him. After Jesus is arrested, then Peter denies Jesus three times, just like Jesus said he would. Uh, Then after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, certainly you're one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to curse And he swore an oath, I do not know this man you're talking about. At that moment, the cock crowed for the second time. Then Peter remembered what Jesus had said, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Uh, One dude (laughs) was so shaken that he ran off streaking. Uh, A certain young man was following wearing nothing but a linen cloth. They caught hold of him, but the linen cloth, but he left the linen cloth and ran off naked. I'm sure you appreciate me not putting a picture up of of that one. Uh, Bowman told me this week that some scholars believe that that guy who ran off naked was actually Mark. Uh, That's pretty cool. It wasn't... Until the end, that the disciples began to get it. It wasn't until they went through this last week of life, of Jesus' life, that the disciples began to realize that they really did have to change. They had to change their hearts. They had to change their lives if they wanted to be a part of what Jesus was doing in the world. And did they ever change? Uh, If you've been reading the book of Mark with us and you've enjoyed that, may I suggest that you read the book of Acts next and you'll see what this group of knuckleheads were able to do. They changed the world. And you know what? We're just like them. We are just like them. We go through and we fumble things all the time. We too have to remember when Jesus was in the upper room, he told his disciples, every time you take this meal, remember. We need to remember the week of Jesus' death. We can't just jump from Palm Sunday to Easter. That's what helps us change our hearts and lives. Now, this uh, week, we here at Asbury, hopefully have put together a week to help us remember that. And I want to encourage you to do three things this week. If you haven't started the Lent readings, let that be your first thing. You can go ahead and jump in and read this last week with us. All you got to do is go to uh, asburybham.org or wherever you get your podcast and follow Asbury Beham podcast in each day, Robin White and Michael Bowman will lead us through the scripture readings of the week. They're about five to eight minutes long, and if you journal with it, that's about 15 minutes a day. Uh, The next thing I want you to to do is on Monday, Thursday, we're having um, Stations of the Cross right here in Williams Chapel with a labyrinth. It's on Thursday from four to eight. It's come and go. Uh, allow yourself at least 20 to 30 minutes to go through it. 
Uh, there'll be 14 stations of the cross with artwork. There'll be a labyrinth. The labyrinth is this, uh, it looks like a maze, but it's not a maze, and you can't really see how to get through it unless you actually walk on it. And it's a way for us to remember Jesus. And lastly, uh, I want to encourage you to come to Good Friday. This is a service where we remember the night that Jesus died. It's a somber service. There's no preaching. It's scriptures and songs to help us remember that part of Jesus's life. And you might think, why would I want to do that? We want to do that because Jesus didn't die so that we could just sit back and wait on heaven to come. Jesus died relentlessly establishing the kingdom on earth right here and right now. By getting on a young donkey (laughs) and riding to the city gates to announce there is a new way to live. We can live in God's kingdom where everyone's important and everyone has something to bring. I want to invite our worship team to come back up as we close our service. Um, I want to be real honest. I've really struggled with this sermon this week because of what I've been convicted of what this scripture is calling us to do. Uh, It's calling us to change our hearts and lives if, if I haven't said that enough already. In a way that, I'm gonna just be honest, I don't know that I can do. As you read through Mark's readings this week, you'll see that that Jesus got himself in a lot of trouble by doing the right thing. In fact, it got him killed. And it's pretty apparent to me that he wants us to do the same. And, And fortunately, we don't live in a time where your faith will get you killed. That's not a regular thing with us. And Jesus doesn't want us to suffer no more than he wanted to suffer. But Jesus didn't let the fear of suffering get in the way of doing what's right. He showed us that the worst thing is never the last thing. And for us Jesus followers, it's essential that we do what's right. Jesus didn't die just so that we could sit back and wait on heaven. Jesus wanted us and wants us to make some waves in the world and push the status quo. And those knuckleheaded disciples are our example. Because once they got it, they got it. And they were able to change the world. And and I think we can too. Let's pray. Oh God, help us. Help us to live in a way that we have the courage to follow you. Even when it's not popular. 
even when it will hurt us. They're doing what's right is what brings your kingdom here on earth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.